Well, happy Thursday to you, family and friends, and a happy noontime hour. I pray that you are blessed in the Lord, that you are overcoming this wonderful Thursday afternoon, and the Lord finds you well in his presence, finds you growing, burning, laying down your life that you might be lifted for his honor and for your glory. Well, it is yours truly, Ronnell Tate, founder, leader, senior leader, and lead pastor here at the Father's House of Glory in Frisco, Texas, coming to you on the Father's Table podcast for another noonday edition of Midday Burn. We are praying that this day that you are ready to dive into this session. Another word from the Lord. Another place where we are equipped, that we are strengthened for one reason, for one purpose, that we might burn for him, that our lives might be yielded and laid down completely for him. Well, I am grateful to be with you once again. It is a wonderful day here in Frisco, Texas. We have, it is finally the sun is out. We've had a good deal of rain over the last two days, but we've needed it as we've been in a drought and the heavens have opened over us and poured out his blessing of rain upon us and for us. We are grateful. I am grateful to be with you once again on this edition of Midday Burn as I try to finish making sure things are set up here. Uh, we do this for one reason, that our hearts might burn for him. I am always reminded of the scripture in the book of John. It's this passage where after Jesus had been crucified and he had risen from the grave. He was on the road to Emmaus and there were two disciples of his that were talking and Jesus just casually shows up walking with them and they are talking about the events of the day. Surely you and I have multiple events of this day that we could discuss and that we could talk about. But they were talking about the events of Jesus' death. Talking about what had taken place and the stories that he had risen and the pressure that they were feeling and encountering from the Romans as well as the religious leaders of that day. And Jesus interrupts them and says, what manner of speech is this? And he says, should not these things or he asked them, what are you talking about? And they said to him, are you the only one who has not been around? Do you not know? Are you not aware of the things that are taking place? It speaks so much to me that Jesus, right in the midst of their pain, right in the midst of their confusion, their fully not understanding, he was not moved by the circumstances and situations of the day for he knew what his father was doing. That is important for us to remember as we are in this period of time and in this space where we are in uh, what Jesus said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars as we are in that space in time of wars and rumors of wars that we don't lose ourselves to the circumstances of the day, to the rhetoric of the day, to the talk of the day for Jesus is still seated upon the throne. He is still aware of the goodness of his father and aware of what his father will do in his good time. He looked at those disciples as they said, are you the only one who is not from here? Do you not know what is taking place and how they have killed our Lord and all that is taking place in Jesus looking at them? He said, ought not these things to be so? And began, the Bible says, to open up the scriptures and explain to them from beginning to the end. And here is the point I want to get to. As Jesus left their sight when they 
he was talking and he indicated that he would go on further. The Bible says they said the day is far spent and they compelled him to go in with them. And they said as they he broke bread, their eyes were open and they saw that it was the master. And just like that, he disappeared. And the disciples said, did not our hearts burn? as he spoke to us on the road to Emmaus. And surely in this day and in this hour, these midday sessions are simply about that, that you and I might hear the voice of the master, that we might hear Jesus speaking to us once again through the scriptures in the midst of our daily life, in the midst of the grind we may be in, in the midst of what is taking place around us, wars in Ukraine, wars in Israel, in Gaza, wars right here on our turf, mass shootings taking place, the rhetoric that is thrown about and the banter on television between political parties and people. May we just pause for a moment and may we hear the voice of our master. And may we, as the disciples said in John, did not our hearts burn within us? As he spoke, as he revealed to us all of the things that must and should and will and need to take place in this hour for the coming, for the return in our day of the king, for the fulfillment of the plan and the destiny that the Father has already laid and that we might have hope in a burning heart. A burning heart cannot be quickly extinguished. A burning heart is not moved by the dictates of the day, the circumstances of the day. A burning heart is only moved by the one who has set it ablaze in the beginning. We are told in uh, Leviticus, I believe, Leviticus 6 or 13, that the priest is to keep the fire that the Father has ignited upon the altar burning. It is his responsibility. The Father ignites the fire. It is our responsibility to keep it burning. And so may today, and each day that we gather and come before, may there be a full ignition within our hearts that we burn for him in this life. And as we burn, may men, women, and children all around be lit. May the flames in their lives be relit. May they catch a wave of the smoke that comes off of us, the incense that comes off of us because we are on fire for our King. Well, we, that is just our introduction. Last week, we, we began, as we had not been here uh, for a little bit of time, I believe we hadn't done a podcast since uh, June or so and last week I felt the Lord nudge me to jump back in and I want to pick up from where we left off last week so I want to pray quickly I, I won't be before you long but I want to pick up from where we left off last week in this topic of humility to holiness humility and holiness Father we love you and we're so thankful that your goodness abounds in our lives. Today we cry out in this noonday hour for your mercy. For your mercy to be upon us, to be rich toward us. We pray for your mercy to be rich in Israel, in Gaza, in Ukraine, in Russia. Let your mercy be rich over the United States and the nations of the earth. Be merciful to us and reveal yourself afresh to us. Allow us to see you rightly, to see our lives rightly before you and in you, and to see each other rightly, that we might have a right perspective of our fellow man. 
that we can love like you love. That we can dwell in peace as you have left your peace for us. Be merciful in this hour, O Lord. Reignite the flames of our heart. Reignite the flames of our heart, O Lord. That we might burn, burn for you. That we might be lights for you have called us to let our light shine before men. Allow us to burn today that truly we might be lights and signposts. That we might be watchtowers, that we might be bell towers in the midst of the oceans that lead people to you and you alone. We honor you and we magnify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, last week we do 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 let me find where I was. We began this topic and there has been this theme running through mm, running through the ministry that the Lord has given me over the course of especially the last several years from time to time of purity of holiness as he has as he is calling myself and leading my family in greater spaces of purity for him um, there is this passage of scripture John, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 7 and I had not planned on mentioning this today but I mentioned it multiple times over the years and multiple times in ministry and it is uh, very very big within my heart as a scripture to to live by in, in certain ways it says this, this is Jesus speaking. He says here in Matthew 7, chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate. There's a wide gate. And he says, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it. On this road of life, it has taken me a number of years to uh, recognize this, to see this, to allow the Holy Spirit to corral my life, to have a desire to corral my life even more and bring myself into this place where I am no longer concerned about all of the things that take place around me and... Um, uh, people use the term um, of FOMO, the fear of missing out. Having this fear of missing out on what everyone else is doing and being where everyone else is. Uh, allowing him to corral me, to bring me to this place of peace and not worrying about, oh, I have to be at this event and I have to be at this place and I have to be here because everyone else is. Jesus said that he said, enter by the narrow gate. He says, wide is the gate. Ah. And broad is the way that leads to destruction. And he says, there are many that go in by it. There is this way of life that you and I can have and partake in. That we think that is okay because everyone is doing it. Everyone is uh, about that life. This is what everyone does. So it must be okay. It must be acceptable. Well, everyone is going to this event. So surely it's okay. Uh, everyone is going, you know, all my friends, they're going to this prophetic conference. So surely I, I've got to be there too. You know, it's, uh, we, we have this thing when we, advertise or market our events 
and I understand we're just, we as ministers, we are caught up with the, the push of the Lord. Everything that comes from the realm of the spirit, from the father, when he gives us words and directives, there is this now aspect to it. And, and one of the reasons that is, is because there is no time in uh, the realm of the spirit. God created time. He's not bound by it. And so when a word is given, it is now that that word, there is an urgency to it. But in our realm, there is time. And in our realm, the word that may have been given that is yesterday, today, and forever, that is in our past, that is in our present, and in our future, oftentimes it comes without time into this realm where there is time and there is a process for us to get there but sometimes we feel the urgency of it and so when we as ministers are marketing our events sometimes we say you don't want to miss this make sure you're there invite get everyone there and some sometimes we can just be like yeah so and so said i need to be there but have i spent time to wait upon the lord and say do I need to be there? Is my FOMO, is my fear of missing out working in me and, and making me go? Is my laziness on the opposite end causing me not to go? Everything must be filtered. Lord, what do you have for me? But Jesus said here, he said, wide is the gate. And it's a broad way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it. What is the way that the Lord has for me? For the gate, the destruction in my life, that the, the, the way of my life, depending on what I choose, could I either be leading me to life or leading me to destruction? And Jesus says that the gate, we understand what gates are. For many of us, we have gates we have fences around our homes, around our property. And there's a gate that gives us access into our yard or someone else access. It is the entry point into this space, this new realm, this atmosphere, whatever. He says, wide is the gate. It's inviting. It provides ease. It says, oh, that, there's the easy way, so that must be the way to go. And he says, broad is the way. It's easy to get on. The pavement is smooth. It may look new. He says, but it leads to destruction. Here's a question. Is the way of my life currently is the path that I'm on, has the gate that I have gone through, is it leading me to destruction? Is it leading me down a path where when I stand before Jesus, if I am a believer, if when I stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ, for all believers will stand, all of those who are true believers in Jesus Christ, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we will give an account. An, an account will be laid before us and we will, be give, we will give an account of our life in Christ. After we gave our life to Christ, what have we done with it? What have we done with this new life? For those who are not in Christ, unbelievers, they will stand before at the great throne, the great white throne judgment before the Father, where they will be judged for their sins. Is the life that I'm on, will it lead me before Christ when I stand before him? And he says, your works are burn up. You have been saved. But there is no reward for the works that you've done. Am I 
listening. And I know that I have followed a life. I've gone through a wide gate and a broad path that has led me away from the Father. Led me away from Jesus. And I'm on this path and it's leading me to destruction where I will stand before God the Father. He's my, our Father, the believers. I will stand before God and he says, there is no place to be found here for you. Destruction. But then Jesus said this in verse 14. He says, narrow, or he says, because narrow is the gate. Let me read 13 again as we go here. Enter by the narrow gate, he says. So he says this twice in two verses. He's making the point. This is the life I'm to live. It's a narrow life. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. And then he says, because narrow is the gate. Right? Narrow and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. He says narrow is the gate. Some of us may have gates on our house that are narrow. Multiple, multiple people at one time cannot enter in. You must go through one at a time. This is the point. See, when there's a wide gate, and this is what Jesus was saying in verse 13, the wide gate, multiple people can go together. So you think because we're together and we're going on this path that all is well. You can share in this destruction. Wide is the gate. Broad is the way. We can all walk the path at the same time, side by side. But Jesus said, but narrow is the gate. I can't go through the gate side by side with my spouse. With my children all side by side. We each will have to cross one at a time. I may lead and they follow. But each one will have to make our own choice to cross individually. Narrow is the gate. My friends may not want to go when they come up to it, but we each have to make our own decision. He says narrow is the gate. And then he says something that uh, not many of us go out of our way to choose this. He says difficult is the way difficult the vast majority of us that live this life we don't go out of our way choosing looking for the difficult things in whatever situation it may be we're looking for an easier way to do it we're looking for a quicker way to go about it we're looking for something that makes our life and time easier. But Jesus says, you can't find him that way. You can't find life. I am the light and the life of men. He is life. He says, it's the difficult way that leads to him. It's narrow, the narrow gate. I can't bring all of my stuff that I've carried all of life with me. All of my baggage won't fit through. It's narrow. It's difficult. And sometimes the difficult way, I can't load myself down with a lot of other things. I've got to let it go in order to navigate the rough terrain. You, you know, have you, if you've ever seen people who go on uh, mountain climbing, or, or hikes that 
go up mountains and through different terrain. They, they try to, and they're going to camp in those things. They limit, they try to limit what they carry to a backpack that is big enough to, you know, carry all of those things that are folded and put away, but just fits on their back. Because the, the terrain is difficult. Climbing the mountain, uh, I, I can't have too much more weight than this on my backpack. And it could be heavy, but, you know, I can't, I, my arms have to be free. Jesus says, narrow is the gate. Difficult is the way that leads to life. And here is the sobering statement. He says, there are few who find it. The vast majority of us in this life will not find this way. Won't choose this way. Because it's difficult. Because it's a narrow life. It requires me to do things when everyone around me is doing the opposite. See, this Bible lays out a prescription and lays out a way of life for me that not everyone follows. See, there are um, those in this day and an hour who are Christians, but then there are those who are consecrated Christians, as the scripture calls. There's a way of life that has been laid out for us to live that's difficult. And then once you begin to live this life and you begin to have a relationship with Jesus, because in this same chapter of chapter 7 in Matthew that I had no plans as I was starting this podcast to go here, Jesus says in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. We may start out on this path, but the more we walk with him and when he gives us his gifts and the Holy Spirit's gifts upon our lives and we begin to be um, lightway, lighthouses and sign posts that point to him, there's a greater requirement upon our life. And he begins to speak to us at times. He says, you know what? I have called you so-and-so to be this. I want you to do this. And you say, yes, Lord, I will do that for you in this life. It could be a businessman who is listening to me. And he has called you into the marketplace as a businessman. But he wants you to evangelize clients and other businessmen and leaders and share the God. It could be so many things, but then he'll say to you. For you, I need you to do this for me. He requires you to lay down your life and to walk in a measure of holiness that if you don't, don't do, you, too, you cannot continue on with him in the same mode that he desires. Or you will not reach the destination point and the markers, mile markers, you know, runners, distance runners. They are mile markers that they have. In this race, this walk with Christ, there are mile markers. There are markers in our life that the Lord has set for us to be at. By this point, on this date, he is desiring and has set this date to come and visit us, to do things for us. But if we don't hold up our end, we won't arrive in his timing. It's difficult 
but it's the only way that leads to life. Will we live his life on the earth is the question that each one of us must answer. Are we willing to pay his price in the earth that he might be glorified? We all have this call. All have this calling to live this life of humility and holiness as we began last week. And that level and that measure of holiness gets deeper and deeper as we go. Let me give you an example as I just thought of this one. I remember early on in my walk with the Lord. Many of you have heard the story of me quitting a job that I had at the Board of Options Exchange in downtown Chicago. So I, I won't go into it. But I quit because of them changing my schedule just out of nowhere, preventing me from uh, being at church and all of these different things. And so I just quit. And I spent the month of December, um, three weeks in December, whatever it was when I gave my notice and I quit uh, without a job. And then at, at the end of the month, I said, Lord, I don't have a job and the Lord said as I was walking out of the door to go and look he said go to Applebee's and I said to the Lord Lord do you know my resume <laughs> as if he did not know the places I had worked and where I could go and get a job and all of these things long story short um I went around and couldn't get out of the car to go to places, ended up at Applebee's, and, and I was there for three years. And the Lord taught me so much on serving, serving him. He taught me so much, and he exalted me, raised me up in that place and promoted me. But there's one time, and I'm talking about this difficult life, this narrow gate, how he will come to you and he will say, this is no longer acceptable to me. You can no longer do this. I've allowed this for a while as you were immature and you're young. As parents, we allow our five-year-old to do certain things. But we wouldn't or we shouldn't allow our 10-year-old to do the same things that they did when they were five to get away with. And when they're 15, we should no longer allow our 15-year-old to get away and to do things and to throw temper tantrums like they did when they were five or when they were 10. And then when they're 18, we have a greater requirement upon them than what we had at 15 and 10 and five. And so it is in the kingdom of God. I was working at Applebee's and I remember a part of my uh, training in order to go into management as well as to be a corporate trainer where you went about opening up stores is I had to know every area in the restaurant. And part of that, I had to work behind the bar, which as a believer, you, you know, that would bother you that you're serving alcohol and serving things for people to check out of life in a way when you have the great I am. And yet they did this and it was part of training and I didn't feel any problem or any displeasure from the Lord. And, and so I did it. And if I don't know if I've ever told this part of the story, but I would write on every receipt to people, God bless you. And I would put God bless you and may Jesus something. I would, I would write a message on every receipt that I gave customers, I would share the gospel when the door was open. And so even when I worked behind the bar and people would come up, I would try to find a way and look for a way uh, for me to get in, to share the gospel of Jesus with them and to be a light. And I did this, I don't know how many months that I was behind the bar. And one day, everything changed. Um, we were in the middle of 
uh, right at the end of the lunch rush and the in-between before the dinner rush began. And, and I was almost getting ready to get off. And I'm working behind the bar and I have another section on the floor that I was running as we were cutting staff. And there were a group of, uh, a group that came in, three people. And when they came in, I could already tell that they had been drinking somewhere else. It was probably around 3.30, 4 o'clock. And I went and took their order and they asked for drinks. And as I was going back, I heard the Lord say, how can you serve them? How can you any longer serve death to people when I have given you life to give to them? Oh. The narrow gate in the difficult way. I struggled my way through serving these people, giving them food, etc. And that evening, as I wrestled back and forth and went home and I had a nice ride home, nice long ride home, and I went back and forth with the Lord, just wrestling with this. And, and I got home and I had to call our general manager, our manager, and tell him that I can no longer work behind the bar. The narrow gate and the difficult way. This is the holy life. This is the humble life. It's not the arrogant way. Well, the Lord said it was okay for me to do this. So you know what? I'm going to continue to do it. That can't be God telling me it's not right anymore at this point. Yeah, it can. Because what he allowed you, what I allow my five-year-old daughter to do today, in a couple of years, I will not allow the same thing. In a few months, there's certain things I won't allow. Next year, I won't allow certain things. There are certain things that in the process of our training, the Lord knew I needed it to train. And he, there are certain things that he wanted done in me and established in me. And he knew that I didn't necessarily know any better. But now he was saying, it's no longer acceptable. And so I had a decision to make in that moment. Would I continue to live my way? Would I fear what my manager would say or what he would do? Would I fear that he might fire me? Or would I fear what if, that he would talk about me to the other managers and uh, co-workers would hear about it and what they would think? Or would I choose the narrow gate and the difficult way of holiness? See, you say, how is it holiness? Because anything that the Lord tells me to do, and I do not do it, it is sin now to me. It's what Romans says, what Paul writes. To him who knows to do good, this is Paul, and does not do it, to him it is sin. Meaning, if it is outside of scripture, so to speak, this is a scriptural principle, no longer serving death to people. It's a scriptural principle. God is a redeemer of life. He is the giver of life. The enemy is the one who destroys, steal, kills, and destroys. So I called my manager and I said, I can no longer serve behind the bar and I explained to him why and he says but I have you on the schedule for this day and that day and I said I'm sorry I can no longer do it and he says well can you just do it on this particular day right here and I said no I cannot see what I learned is that sometimes we can say okay I can do it just this once but what it does is it sets up in the people around us this idea that I will compromise if there's enough pressure put upon me. 
And even for me, if I do something once, it becomes easier in my heart to do it again. I said to him, because of what the Lord spoke to me that day, I can no longer do this. I cannot set foot behind this bar again and mix drinks again. And I remember after this point, they were, they were a restaurant. They were a bar and grill. And so they would run promotions at different times and they would send out promotional items to wear. And oftentimes they would be alcohol-based. And they would be buttons that they would want us to wear. I would not wear them. And some people would say, well, it's, you know, it's just a button. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I am called as a believer to be a light. I am called as a believer to show forth and to point the way to Jesus. And if I choose the broad, the, the wide gate and the broad way, I'm not doing that, but I am helping people find their way to destruction. And so I chose that day to say no to man. And say yes to the Lord. The narrow gate and the difficult way. It was difficult for me. But I chose it. It's the way of holiness. The way of holiness. We spoke of in a couple of minutes and, and we're done. We spoke in. Second Chronicles 7:14 last week, and I just read the verse again that led that led to this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, the wide gate and the broad way lacks a great deal of humility. It just goes where everyone else is going, does what everyone else is doing. It recognizes sameness oh it recognizes well the majority is in this so it must be okay humility says that there is a way that is greater than what the majority is doing there is a way that is superior to the way that i know or the way that everyone else is humility says that i am called by the lord's name so I will follow his way. If my people who are called by my name, my name is the one that matters. My name carries all the power, all the weight, all the authority. And if my people will humble themselves to my name, Lord, you're greater than all. You're greater than all mankind. I won't just do what others are doing. In our day and in our hour, we can be riled up by news media outlets without thinking, without considering the Lord's way. Even today in this hour, we have those who say that they are Christians saying that the Palestinians are the ones we ought to look to and the Israelis are wrong and they have been the occupiers for 60 years those who say they're Christians yet the Bible says that that land belongs to the Lord and he has gifted it to the children of Israel not 60 years ago thousands of years ago we have been drawn into a narrative and we will agree with the majority and not humble ourselves and say, but the Lord's word is that which is true. And I will stay with that even if it makes me unpopular, even if it turns people against me, even if it brings me to the point of losing a job, Losing my freedom, losing my life, if my people will humble 
themselves, humility. And then he says, and pray. And seek my face. Only the humble, only those who live in humility will pray. And I don't mean what we call prayer by what I want. I go and talk to God about what I want for 10 minutes, for 15 minutes. And ask him to do this for me and do that. No, that's not humility. It's going before him and saying, what is on your heart? The other night, and I'm not saying this for myself. I'm just using it as an example. Just the other night, not last night, night before last. At around 2 a.m., I was awakened with an individual whom I know not fairly well, but know who's dealing with some issues in his body. And I saw a picture of the enemy wanting to do great damage. And so at 2 a.m., I began to intercede for this individual, to pray for them. To pray for them. Humility. Humility is not going into prayer for me. But it's going into prayer for what's upon the heart of God. What, what are you desiring, Lord? Humility is picking up the Lord's heart for someone else. In prayer. Humility in prayer is not just me bringing my list to God and just letting it flow. But it is about a conversation. Lord, you know this is upon my heart, but what's upon your heart? You're the greater one. Humility, I bow before you. What are you saying today? What are you desiring today? What are you longing for today? Humility. He says, they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Uh, this is another aspect of humility. I'm not coming here into prayer just to get what I want, the things that are in your hand, what you can provide for me. You, you know, our, our children especially when they're young, they oftentimes can just come to us and ask us for stuff. Dad, dad, mom, can you, can you, can you, mom, dad, can you, can you? And just seeking what's in your hand. But the day when they just come and they just say, I just want to talk to you, I just want to sit with you. It blesses you as a parent so much because you're like, oh, they're not asking me for anything. They're just wanting to be with me. Ah, oh, if my people will humble themselves, pray, not just about them, but seeing what I want to talk about, the Lord wants to talk about, and seek my face. God, I'm not, I'm not just coming to you for what you can do for me or what I want. I just want to know you. I want to know what's in your heart. I want to know what you desire. I want to know who you are. I want to know you. I just want to be with you. You're everything to me. Humility. Then he says, and turn from their wicked ways. Holiness, humility, and holiness. You say, but as far as I know, I don't have any wicked ways. I don't live in sin. Anything that God has not legislated is wickedness. Because he's so pure and holy. The Bible says, speaking of David, in 1 Samuel, it says, in the year, or at the time of year that kings go out to war, David stayed. We know the story. He winds up seeing Bathsheba bathing herself on the top of the roof. If you know, uh, during that time, in time, Israel has flat roofs. And so you can go on top of the roofs and they will have gatherings there and do different things. But that's beside the point. 
many will say, where was the sin? The sin was in what he did with Bathsheba that led to what happened to Uriah, with Uriah, etc. No. The sin was in him not being where he was supposed to be. Was it the first time that it happened? No, it wasn't. In Chronicles, there is another story that it says in the year the kings go out to war. David stayed. But this time, nothing happened. It was before this. Nothing happened. And his army went out and they conquered. And they called David and says, we're about to take this land. Come and let the crown of this king be placed upon you. Nothing happened. But the sin, the wickedness is in not doing what I have been called to do. And not being where I'm supposed to be. Was David physically unable to go? No, he wasn't. There was nothing wrong. He could still go. There was a period of time later on after this, after he had repented before the Lord and said, I have done this evil against you and you alone. Oh Lord, have I sinned? That David was too old and he almost died in battle. And his soldiers said, you will not go out and fight with us anymore. He had reached the point physically. He couldn't do it. But these were not those points. David was, it says, in the time of year when kings go out to war, he was a king. And he should have been at war, but he was not in the battle. What he was created and designed for. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and just seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. Am I always where I'm supposed to be? This is just one example. Am I always doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I always watching and looking at what I'm supposed to be watching and looking at? Am I listening to what I'm always supposed to be watching and listening to? Am I? It's just one example. There's so many other ones. They will turn from their wicked ways. He says, then I will hear from my place and position in heaven to heal their land. Oh, we're crying out for revival and we're crying out for healing of our land. But are we willing to humble ourselves? Are we willing to humble ourselves so greatly that we obey what Jesus said to choose the narrow gate that we narrow our lives? We don't partake in these events. We don't do this. We don't go here. Yes, sometimes my children don't understand when I say to my sons, especially my daughter, she's still, she's only five. But when I say to my sons, we don't do this. We won't. I'm getting rid of this. We're not doing this any longer. We're not and sometimes they don't fully understand. But my job as a father who is priest of his home is not to bow to their whining and their cries, to give them something that will lead them through the wide gate and the broad way. But it is to teach my children to learn the narrow, get to go through the narrow gate and the difficult ways in this life that lead to the one who is life. That when they're old, they'll remain. We like the verse in Proverbs and I'm ending for this podcast right now. We like the verse in Proverbs. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart. 
Have we chosen the narrow way for our children, the narrow gate and the difficult way? It's the way of holiness and purity. Even when their friends are saying, oh, no, we do this, we do that, our parents allow this. Are we strong enough to say to our children, but we don't? I tell my children, I make no apologies that you were born into this family. I do not apologize for the life that you have. I do not apologize that you are the one the Lord chose to give me and my wife as his gifts. And I take it very seriously. The Lord says that you are an arrow in my hand and I am to shoot you and point you in the direction you are to go. I am to train you in the way you should go, not the way that I want, not the way that is comfortable for me, not the way that is easy, not the, no, that I'm to raise you in the way that you should go according to the ways of the Lord. So the whole point of this podcast, I guess for today has been, are you and I ready are we willing? Have we chosen to go through? Are we choosing to go through on a daily basis? The narrow gate. You can't bring all your stuff with you going through it. And the difficult way. That's the only way. Only place I'm going to find life. And my life is going to be full and meaningful. It's the only way. There will be a lot of things in this life you will say no to. There will be a lot of things in this life if you choose the narrow gate in the difficult way that you will not be a part of. But I will tell you, heaven will be rejoicing. There will be a supply of the goodness of God, the power of God, the majesty of God in your house upon you. We want the presence of God in our homes. It requires the narrow gate in the difficult way. We want him to be with us, to dwell with us, to go with us, to walk with us. It requires living the narrow gate kind of life and the difficult way type of life. Are we willing to do it? I pray we are. And I pray that this, the remainder of this day even into this weekend when you prepare to go into the house of the Lord on Sunday, on Saturday evening, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, wherever you go, that your heart burns with this thought that today, as for me and my house, as Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. But even more so, added to that, that for me and my house, we will enter the narrow gate and the difficult way that leads to life and we will be one of the few who find this life amen well it's been so great to be with you this day and I pray that this afternoon this midday this noon day that you got something out of the word of God and that you were encouraged and even more so that your heart is burning this afternoon. There's a strength that's been infused and you desire to live at a higher level and a greater degree to fulfill the purposes, plans, and the life that he has for you until he returns. Well, God bless you. Let's pray real quick. Father, we love you and we thank you for all that you've done today, what you've said what you've led us into and we thank you for your hand for your love for your goodness and glory being upon us the remainder of this day and for your love shaping and molding our lives until we are in your image and in your likeness well god bless you you have been listening to midday burn on the father's table this is ronnell tate your host, 
founder, senior leader, and lead pastor at the Father's House of Glory in Frisco, Texas. And we thank you that you've chosen to take just a little bit of your time to be with us today. Bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your Thursday and weekend. And we look forward to the next time we're together. Bye-bye. Distract me, but keep me on fire for right. so many things may come to take my attention from you. Keep me on fire for.